aggressive and shouty at the very intro. Uh, and then the sound didn't seem right on my side of it. So you won't hear much from me, but you hear a lot from Sully. So that's absolutely fine. So, Sally, can you tell us a bit about your professional background and what sort of career you've had in terms of your profession rather than the PCP bit? Okay, yeah. So, um, I qualified in 1980 as a clinical psychologist. I'd done my first degree at what was Bedford College in Regent's Park, rather nice. Lots of ducks, leafy, oh, yeah. all that stuff. I know where that is. Um, nice little place, actually. Mm. It had been a women's college originally. Okay. Uh, it doesn't exist anymore. It supposedly amalgamated with Royal Holloway, which meant that they sold it off, basically, and it's disappeared into the mist of time. But I've been there, uh, and quite like London, and... I mean, I think like most other people, I, I applied for anything to do clinical training. I always knew that that was what I wanted. I had a conversation when I was either 13 or 14. I had chicken pox. And in those days, the GP came to see you a long time ago. Um, and he said, and what are you going to be when you grow up? And was somewhat taken aback when I said, hmm, a psychologist or a psychiatrist? I'm not sure which. Gosh. And I can remember him know? stopping and looking at me. <laughs> and uh, he said, hmm, I think a psychologist. And oh, really? looking back, it probably meant you're female, you can't be a doctor. But um, that's not how I took it at the time. <laughs> anyway, so um, I wanted to get into clinical, always wanted to get into clinical from doing the first degree. And the Institute of Psychiatry said yes, uh, much quicker than anybody else. And in those days, they didn't interview. Oh, so really? I just got this letter saying, yes, whoopee. Yes, please, I said. Um, So I'd I'd only done a couple of little voluntary summer placements. Amazing looking back, they took me. But yeah, yeah. but then it was the Institute of Psychiatry, not wishing to slag them off, but it was totally behavioural in those. Oh, was it? Anything else was was kind of, there were a few people who snuck off to go and and see the um, psychoanalytic chums over somewhere else in the hospital but that never attracted me and Monty Shapiro was down the corridor kind of inventing cognitive psychology at the time we had rumors about what Monty was doing he was about to retire um anyway so yeah that's why I trained and then I was very lucky because I you know didn't have any money behind me or anything um, and it was difficult to get funding in those days, but I got um, sponsorship from what was then the Southeast Thames Regional Authority. So I was one of four clinical psychologists sponsored in okay. what was then a two-year training yeah. in Phil. And you got your second year out in somewhere in the region. So first year in Maudsley Bethlehem Complex. Yeah. And second year out, and I, I went to Bexley. I'm not going to be able to pronounce this properly, but it a narco-cynicalist, oh. would you believe, <laughs> department, which, which, as far as I could see, meant that everybody took some kind of organisational or managerial type responsibility and nobody was the boss. Oh, right, years, OK. Until, until things got normalised forcibly. Interesting. But, yeah, it was an interesting start. I 
So you're at Bexley, and where did you go after Bexley? Yeah, you couldn't get promoted in those days. It was really difficult. So uh, I had to move for promotion. I went to, it was George's, basically St George's in South London, which the patch went from Battersea down to Morden. So okay. quite quite a range, yeah. quite a big patch yeah. in, in population terms. And um, and by that uh, by the time I qualified, I, I well, the first job at, uh, I took at Bexley was half older people and half adult. Right. And then that second job over at George's was all older people, and it was 75 over because of the population numbers. Okay. And then did that for a few years and, and got, well, sort of people contacted me and they were setting up a new department in Maidstone. They hadn't got any specialist services for older people and uh right i went over there with another promotion okay stayed there 10 years we started the service nice multidisciplinary service and then moved up to the coventry department trying to think how long i was there in time uh 15 years something like that can't remember yeah. yeah, and and retired effectively from there, but of course everything amalgamated. So in the end, I was head of secondary psychological care, which meant adult and older people going from North Warwickshire, South Warwickshire, Coventry, and it included rugby. Okay, so sort of bigger patch and mm. oh, I, I'd forgot. Actually, I did. Isn't it weird thinking about it? Yeah, yeah. I did have period in Maidstone where I was the managerial head of mental health for older people oh okay for three years two and a half years something like that and you Uh, got into working with older people then relatively mm. early in your career and you stayed there yes I did I did rather unusually a placement in my clinical training with older people at at the Maudsley and and Bethlehem that, that bit yeah Right. So, uh, yeah, bit bit unusual to well, to have the opportunity in those days, and also to take it. Nobody wanted it. <laughs> <laughs> Silly fool. Well, maybe that's why they said everyone has to do a placement with every Later, that group. Came, that came, yes, that came to in. make sure they got people yeah. spread across the different yeah, areas. Yeah. <laughs> yeah. And at what point during that did you come across PCP then? Um, well, I kind of bumped into. Uh, I can remember actually my interview at um, Bedford had a self characterization in it. Really? Yeah. So wow. I think somebody was probably just getting data for their PhD, uh, <laughs> something. Looking back, I don't, who knows? That'd be great to read it now, wouldn't it? <laughs> yes. Well, maybe not. <laughs> it could be embarrassing. <laughs> so it was kind of around, and I can remember at that point there were uh saturday workshops you could i think it was a tenner something which probably wasn't that much um run by Dougal mckay and reinhardt kowalski um somewhere in central london and so i you know used to toddle off some saturdays to this and um don bannister spoke okay and the only thing I can remember that he said, and I gather he was famous for it, was he, he would have a title and he'd turn up and say, oh, my title is so-and-so, but I'm not going to talk about that. And I can remember <laughs> feeling quite peeved. 
mean he's not going to have come for this? <laughs> oh, dear. Anyway, and and then of course at Bexley it was um, riddled with PCP. I guess. Right. Um, yeah. And my supervisor was a PCPer, and you know, yeah, okay. Most people there were had a, a fair acquaintance, if not an allegiance to. Yeah. And then you went off to the course at some point. Yes. That was. Yeah. When did I do? I did the original, the, the, I think it's called the basic general or something weird in those days. Um, Yes. I went to the PCP centre as it was run by um, Faye in uh, Victoria and did did my foundation course. So that was Um, Faye Francella. Did she teach you? on that course a bit yes yes they had a system though then where um people doing the advanced course yeah. each part of doing the advanced course was to teach the the um foundation course yeah so most of it came from one of the other trainees as it were yeah yeah, yeah okay good, good time though so then you eventually did the advanced course in pcp yes ages therapy ages. training Yes, at Tamworth. Yeah. It was running from Tamworth, yeah. Okay. So so the PCP sounds like it started early and has continued all the way through. So, you know, now or in the last, you know, in your last role in the NHS as well, how would you say you used PCP? Um, I used it clinically um, pretty much, um, just thought in that way and amalgamated it and nobody particularly looked over my shoulder and told me I shouldn't be. Partly, I don't think there was quite the control that there has been for some poor benighted colleagues in recent times. And and partly I was kind of in a position where I, you know, my sessions were my own. Yeah. Um, uh, and actually, there was quite a fair. I mean, there was a point actually in in um, in Coventry where we got the nod for running the um, advanced course uh, mm. on NHS promise, premises, and and with a deal about you know how much free training we would give. Yeah. And, you know, we used to run the foundation course yeah. there again with the same sort of agreed with management deal about. Uh, you know who who we were training and at what cost and, yeah. and all the rest of it. So that you know there was an acceptance that this was good stuff and and they got good value out of it. Yes. So in your clinical work, mm. I mean you've always worked predominantly with older people. Yeah. And often that has meant going to people's houses, hasn't it? Yeah. Or seeing them in a residential setting or wherever yeah. they were. Yeah. Um, yeah. And how how has PCP fitted in with that kind of work? Well, I think it's something about a very clear focus on what is their reality, what is is their difficulty or difficulties, and and what within their realm of possibility might they do about it. I mean, it it, it you know it tells you exactly where where you're starting and what the job is, and there's no silly nonsense about about protocols or or what you should be doing i mean i should probably confess since we're talking about pcp i i have never done a repertory grid in a clinical intervention Mm. (laughs) um 
not that I disapprove of them or whatever. Yeah. It's just kind of never been me and it's never really fitted. Um, yes. So, yeah, I feel a bit bit like I'm not a proper PCP. <laughs> <laughs> so what's it, what would be your go-to tools, would you say, or techniques? I've used the self-characterisation a lot. Um, and mm. I think, uh, I mean, it's not written stuff at all. It's not right for everybody. But it can really jump you into a position where um, you've got a kind of joint starting-ish point with somebody that they feel they've expressed themselves and you feel you've listened to enough and got enough idea of, of, of how they construe the world um, that you're starting from one position. Because one, one of the difficulties, I think, with older people, um, one of the things that trips trips us up is that sense of not being on the same page even if you might be but that kind of sense of them thinking oh you know does this whippersnapper have any sense of what they're on about what a load of nonsense and, yeah. and and whatever else putting things you're wearing or doing or something that makes them feel out of step with you and you i mean the number of people i've heard you know at work or in training courses going on about how older people go on too much and uh, will tell you all their history and be boring and things like that. And and then you've got the kind of contrast pole of, oh, yes, reminiscence is a good idea and it's a tool and it's, you know, because my career, of course, has, has spanned all those kind of fads in older people, you know, going from reality orientation, then it was reminiscence, then it was validation, yeah. you know, and, and whatever and they're all the you know the emperor's new clothes yeah Actually, that's that's the wrong phrase because it's not that there's nothing in them but that sense that anything is the be all and end all it's just yeah. Yeah, it's just silly isn't it really but yeah you get these bandwagons Do um we... yeah sorry um so the self-characterization obviously yep. you're doing that with people who are older mm. I don't know. Is there more more content, or uh, do you find that it's uh, sort of reified and people are, are very firm in the the way they're construing themselves? Well, of course, I don't wonderfully have a contrast poll because most of you know, as opposed to younger people, I think yeah, it's the unspoken okay. question there. And uh, although you know, I've seen some carers, and in my private work small private practice since i retired from the nhs uh, i've seen a few younger people um so in, in a way i don't know what i would say is, is it's often phrased as a story right um it's often quite often it's a kind of story of my life-ish thing yeah um i don't know how normal that is you know if i'd been working with 40 year olds or 20 year olds or whatever it is um i remember ray evans who was part of the training in fact he he held the the central role in um the academic pcp training at yeah. tamworth um and at, at london at the same yeah, time wasn't yeah. it because you were there yeah um and he always reckoned that uh, the construing systems of older people were more complex 
Mm. Um, and the image that came to me when he used to talk about that was almost like uh, something like an apple tree. If you've got an apple tree in an orchard um, and it's been pruned and pruned and pruned, it's got loads of spurs and little offshoots and things and, yeah. and, and a lot of complexity to it, but it's still fruitful. I need to say that since people put older people down so much. And the younger people just had less less bulk almost of constraint. Mm. It, he used to say, I don't know if that's true, but it was always an interesting image to me. Yeah, yeah. And you can imagine, you know, that kind of uh, as you grow, your branches get stronger. You know, you some of your construing becomes very um we've decided it's okay that you know whatever it is that you maybe the way you feel about your family those kind of things but then Mm -hmm. you know older people will sometimes have terrible traumas almost towards the end of their life where they've gone along okay 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 and suddenly something happens to them and then they're facing completely different world Yes, and and I mean the tree image would do for that as well, isn't it? If you think of perhaps a tree that's been struck by lightning, yeah. or been in you know one of these gales that we increasingly get, and, and suddenly it's a gale from the east instead of the west or something, and and a, a big bough falls off. You know that that's your daughter dying, or your husband dying, or or yeah. you were very wedded to your career and now you haven't got it anymore, or or yeah. that sort of you know, or your own health. Yeah. So, so you know, that's probably enough stretching that metaphor. Yeah, yeah. But, but I, yeah. I think you know you, you can go that far. Yeah. And, and what about work with people with dementia? Because I can remember um, you talking about dementia long before there was much talk of dementia. Now everybody's talking about it. <laughs> <laughs> and one of the things I really learned from you only was a sort of pre-dementia discomfort thing that happened oh right so people feeling you know out of sorts maybe down maybe anxious yeah, yeah. when they'd been all right and did i use the phrase on the slide yeah and you you yeah, my phrase that as hmm, i wonder what's going to show in a couple of years yeah 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 yes because uh, i mean sometimes something like a dementia will come on stupendously quickly. Um, but often there's a what I call a bit of a slide. So people can't quite be as secure in their construing. They get surprised more. They can't quite move around their construing system as well. So they get stuck on things. or And it, it's a, a sad and frightening and worrying and undermining kind of thing to happen i think it also partly relates to to of course your own style of construing um so if you are a person who is very precise and is used to being in charge and on top of everything it can hit you very hard mm. um if you're you know, in pcp terms looser more fluid more more happy to change um you might not be quite so frightened and 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 despondent about it but yeah we would certainly get uh, you know a fair number of the people who came in with a 
with a this person is anxious label or this person is depressed yeah. label and you get talking to them and 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 it's more that sort of thing and and obviously uh, you know with with the clinical psychology background and and um yeah you know, fair amount of neuropsychology and that side as well because you've got to try and span it that's part of the love of mm. working with older people you've got the physical health and the neuro stuff mm. and the wonderful different personalities and construing systems all flattened on top of one another um but you know they would come in with that label and you'd perhaps spot some cognitive difficulties uh just have a sense of them in the background yes yeah. so so my phrase on the slide is for those yeah. people and you know if you've got a long enough career and and i did have uh you would see some of them coming back or you'd have to fight to get them a different label because people had already pigeonholed them as mm. as depressed or something and you'd have to kind of try and do some testing and try and kind of make people notice uh and and by make people with that slightly aggressive tone there i'm afraid um i meant my colleagues mm. um because and some of the structuring of services perhaps even more so now you know you get in one track or another yeah and god help you because people aren't tracks yes and it would be pretty difficult if let's say you had always had intermittent difficulties with anxiety yep. Yeah, then it may go unnoticed. Or yep. oh, easily you are again. Easily, yeah. easily. Yeah, absolutely. Yeah. And especially if you're quite bright. I, I remember um, it's one of the ones I quote a lot. Jane Muirs, who I now work with in rugby dementia support. Uh, she she started it off, and I'm I'm a trustee and volunteer there. But one of her pieces of research was to do with the formal diagnosis of dementia um and noticing that if you're if you've been bright and able particularly able through your life uh where the diagnosis is supposed to be to do with with uh, decline in several areas when it's actually operationalized especially when it's it's done by people who aren't able to do neuropsych and things like that uh it tends not to be about decline it means decline to a certain level yeah so it takes much longer if you're a very bright person to get a dementia diagnosis because you haven't dropped far enough yeah see you and and professionals see you and go oh you're still able to do this that and the other yes but i used to be a nuclear physicist (laughs) or (laughs) oh yeah you won't get your diagnosis in a hurry mate um no. so yeah and the, and you know jane proved that fairly yeah. with her data and you you do some work with carers now yes yes so tell yes. us a bit about that and that from a pcp point of view what sort of struggles do you see that people have oh golly right Why well a lot needed? of my care work now is is within the the um rugby dementia support charity to be fair. Uh, I have done some, um, but not, well, I don't do a big volume of private work. Hmm. I think there's a lot there about uh, role change. Um, and in fact, um, Diane Allen and I are going to do um, uh, one of our quarterly study days, oh, except 
probably be on Zoom, so it'll be a study session. Yeah. Because nobody can watch a Zoom for all day. Or if they do, they'd get a headache, I think. Yeah. Um, we're going to do the one in June on um, on caring and transitional role. Because that ro- role from maybe some equality or, uh, well, whatever the pre-existing relationship was, and then that move into being much less equitable or much more fixed in certain caring roles and then i mean certainly with with dementia i guess yeah with quite a lot of conditions that you end up being a carer um you're then ever so gradually sometimes quickly playing catch up all the time aren't you 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 kind of adjust yeah. To whatever it is that you need to provide and what this now means for the relationship and and what's acceptable and what's manageable and all the rest yeah. of it. And then things get worse or different. Yeah. Um, and so you're endlessly having to adapt. So that 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 flexibility and creativity that it calls for from people is it's a real big, real big ask. And what you're left with at the end, you know, because for most of the people I see, eventually somebody dies. Mm. And then you've turned into this person and lost large parts of yourself um, you know, that haven't been used or haven't been exercised. You lose confidence yeah. in, in lots of bits of you that used to be active. Right. There's yeah. a little bit of a, a parallel, I think. You know, I, I think certainly some of our carers and some of our bereaved carers as well, the the ones who are now living on their own. Um, uh, I see it with them. There's going to be a real issue coming out of this COVID stuff. Mm. And I'm not saying it's only with carers, but people just aren't allowed, aren't used to going out. Yeah. They aren't used to being with yeah. They're not used to doing things. And it's actually anxiety provoking. They're not quite sure how to construe it. Um, yes. they're, they're really not sure that they're up to it. Yeah. Uh, and I mean, we're talking with some of them about it, and, and some of them acknowledge and recognize and, and are trying to do a little bit more while, of whatever they're allowed to do because they know darn well uh, it's very easy just to kind of retreat into yes. whatever role you've been left. Yeah. So I think that's true of carers, but also, as I say, yeah. to some extent with, with the whole lockdown, what it's done to people in their relationships, things have withered. Yes. And, and I suppose some people, Sorry? some people will have received a diagnosis during the lockdown oh, and golly. started yes. that journey in relative isolation. Yes, I'm afraid we you caught me at a, a sore point on that. Actually, we we were talking in particular in the carer group last week. We're currently running on Zoom a carer group every week, uh, a singing group every week for for carers and people with dementia and and various other things. Um, but yeah, it kind of came to a head this last week. The lack of support, the lack of follow up, and we've heard of several people who were just they're assessed on the phone, they're given a diagnosis, oh, I'm sorry, you know, you've got dementia, maybe they're given some specific, ooh, you've got 
Alzheimer's. Hmm. Yeah. Well, I don't know. I know it's a long time ago, but when I was at George's, we used to um, have a thing where we we went and looked at the brains of of people we've known who, who then died and luckily had donated their brains, honestly. Um, and we did. I don't. I think there's a very, very, very small percentage who structurally, when you actually looked at their brain, the damage tied up with one dementia right. category. There okay. was nearly always something else going on. So this kind of glib, ooh, you've got Alzheimer's. Right. I, mean, I know that's, you know, a lot broader now, thank goodness, and we've got much more idea of different pathways and subtypes and what have you. But all the same, I'm kind of mistrustful of it. I think mm. things are a lot more complex. Yes, yeah. Anyway, sorry. Yeah. I'm not careful. I'll go completely off on one there. Sorry. Let me take you back to yeah. a bit more on PCP then. Yeah. So if you think about, you know, you've been to lots of things over the years, lots oh, of training yeah. sessions. Yeah, really lucky. Lots yeah. of conferences and all yep. sorts of things. Have there been some particular standout things? Oh my goodness me! There may not have been. Ah, hmm. Golly, poser. I mean, it's just loads of of listening to people and picking up new ideas. I mean, you're one of them. One of the other things I use a lot is is the ideal self, as I think you well know. Um, <laughs> you know, and 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 it wasn't a PCP thing, but picking up the button sculpt from. Um, oh golly, I've gone blank. All that. I hate it when people don't acknowledge where, where techniques come from. I get very hot under the collar when people nick bits of PCP and, and yes. don't. They turn know, out as something else. Yeah, pretend they've made it up themselves. We need, yeah. need to just not say. Andy Treacher, of course, sorry. Right. Um, but seeing it all in PCP terms, um, I think... It expands you a lot as well. Quite a lot of the non-verbal stuff, you know, different drawing techniques and and writing things and Mary Frances and some of her uh, little exercises and things. It just stretches your mind and, and you might use them directly with somebody. Yeah. And maybe if we do go ahead and, and make Elaine Schoen's idea of, of this uh, mm. this kind of, Pocketbook. Pocketbook of ready retina techniques. Yeah. It'll be more accessible for people. And yes. think, hang on, I remember something like, something like that and, and get it out more quickly. But it, it's more an accumulation like that and of, of um, you know, meeting special people, you know, uh, who spoke to, to me. Mm. Yeah, I think of something when we stop talking. But well, you've thought of lots of things actually. What you said, and and if you imagine, you know, some of the people who listen to the podcast are relatively new to PCP. Um, what sort of suggestions would you give to them so that they can develop their skills and interests and experience? Anything in particular that you think helped hmm. you along the way, or you well, I, th I think. I, th I think I well I would say this because I because I teach it of course now um, I feel having someone take you through the 
theory without you know you don't have to read the the original 1955 two volumes um uh but it, just getting the sense of the shape of it all gives you such yeah. uh, an ability to to understand and to reflect on what you're doing and on yourself of course i mean that's yeah ultimately we're all looking at ourselves as well aren't we absolutely um so you know and that's why as a little complex in you know centered in coventry we run the foundation course to give people a sense of the theory yeah uh, and of and of how that then manifests in what you might do in in real life with real people and real issues you know not kind of page four says so and so you know like lots Mm. of theoretical things can't stand that sort of nonsense (laughs) um but but i also think just picking up yeah, when I when I was doing my uh, clinical psychology training, if people didn't want to be pigeonholed or were slightly uncomfortable with what was then behavioural, um, they and I, let's be honest, used to try and call themselves eclectic. Yeah, Lord help us, pompous ass I was. <laughs> um, it, it was almost an aspirational thing, you know, the idea that I would pick up different things. Mm-hmm. But the trouble is. You know, if you pick things up, it's you know, if you're not careful, you're a bit like a litter picker, you know, with those tongs and you've got your bin bag, then you <laughs> shove things in. You might find some useful bits, but how do they relate to one another? How do you do anything coherent? Yeah. Um, so the coherence comes from the course, and that's why we've been bothering to run a foundation course for oh golly, it's yeah. well over 20 years now, isn't it? Must be. We've run it every year and sometimes more than once a year so you know at the risk of sounding like I'm doing some kind of advert uh I I think something like that is is a a useful thing to do you know if you if you've met a few PCP techniques or PCP practitioners and you've thought hmm that sounds interesting um and you want to go further with it then get an acquaintance with the theory uh, mm. because then you could, you've got a structure to hang your bits and pieces on and to yeah. understand how they relate to one and to adapt them to to what you need and, and what the person you're working with or people you're working with need. Because, you know, as I think I've said a couple of times already, that kind of rigid, oh, now we do step two. No. Yeah. Don't yeah. bother doing step two if that's what you're going to do, um, because people are not step one or step two. No. Nor are we. Yeah. You bore yourself silly. <laughs> and I think one of the the things that happens during the foundation course is people come and realise that the theory is quite big. Yeah. And they tend to have a sort of dip in the middle, don't they, where they think, oh, my God, this is too much to know. Yes. And I'm yes. not supposed to remember all these terms. No, you're not. And then the, it ends with we show them some real cases doing real work. Yeah. yeah. Uh, and they go, oh, OK, it's making well, um, sense now. I and then they go make... on to learn other things after. Yeah, I think we make some of the, help some of them stay afloat, even in the kind yeah, of goodness sure. me, that's a big theory. Because it is absolutely a meta theory, isn't it? Yeah. I mean, my my image for that, I'm terrible on images, as you know. But anyway, let's let's say it. Um, if you go to a zoo, 
maybe you might not want to these days, but if you go to a zoo and you watch something like a lemur, one of those monkey-type things that swings around the branches. Yeah. And I've always thought of the theory as the kind of, there's branches, or in zoos, of course, you get, you know, bits of scaffolding and, and what have you. Yeah. And, and the if one day I'll be like a lemur. No, I never will manage it. But that sense that you can move around and sometimes you can move from one bit to another because, uh, you know, you're thinking about sociality and and then you're noticing the fragmentation and and, and then because you're ex- understanding it in that way, um, you come up with a different way of talking about it or a, a different question to answer ask or a different elaboration i guess uh, yeah. to to share with the person or to offer or to to ask them about and they come out with it and that's the most important bit of course um yeah. so yeah so i am a monkey that attempts to swing <laughs> around this this theoretical structure and i guess as you say you know right through it we're, we're making reference to little bits of of real work to try and kind of help people hang on to yes this is real yeah but it's also a big overarching theory yeah. and then there's only so much you can do but that's where the the quarterly sessions come in isn't it to build on that and yeah. the new books i mean you've written a book recently yeah. the you know a, a kind of starter post foundation yeah. book uh peter and diane have and you keep nagging me to write mine yeah uh, <laughs> um and and it's about trying to find that out yeah I mean, that's why we wrote the foundation guide as well yes it? it was originally it was the kind of the handouts we used in a foundation course but you know it, it's it's to try and pull that together and help people to get get it into a digestible form yes and it's been interesting hasn't it this year having to do zoomy things because we Mm. we actually did the foundation course on zoom um and in fact uh, you know because i grandly call myself course organizer um and get inquiries about you know i've had several people say i had one today actually uh you know i live in so-and-so so i don't really want to come to the course in person yeah. and i feel it's a great loss I and mean, it was wonderful the way people took to the zoom foundation yeah. but i i think that it's the contrast pole isn't it i mm. i know that i had i wasn't able to deliver some aspects of it yeah and i feel the loss um but you know people are wanting that and I, you know clearly we're thinking about what more can we do as yeah. well as the the kind of YouTube videos and different things? And and you doing this. I mean, it's another way of, of things being accessible for people who who may or may not be able to come and see us in person or yeah. do something more substantial, isn't it? Yes. And I kind of think of it as people can either come and do the whole thing or they might spend some time getting a taste of all the little things. Yes, they may go around with their their, their picker uppers, and, yeah. and 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 yeah. I shouldn't be so naughty. It was just the way that it was rather pretentious of me to try and pretend I was eclectic. <laughs> <laughs> but it was as opposed to I'm only doing behavioural stuff yeah. in a behavioural framework. 
Uh, I'm not think... interested in all that other shitty shallying. Yes. <laughs> so yeah. Trying to put myself at the other end of the pole. And those I things. think most people, though, who who I have met in the PCP world have got into it because either they've had a supervisor or they've read about real yeah. people doing real PCP or they've seen it happen in a session yeah. and they've said, oh, my word, I have to learn about that. I have yes. to know what it is that's going yes. on. Um, yeah. And, they, you know, that's the... I think that's the beauty of it. That was the thing that struck me with Tom Ravenette's work. Mm, describe his casework, and I was just gobsmacked. Yeah, yeah. <laughs> I mean, I, I still am. You read, you read his stuff, and you're just in awe, aren't you? Yeah, yeah. yeah. There's a lot of wonderful people around. Yeah, oh, well, he's are. not around anymore. I know, but you know, the memory lingers on, and his yes. his write ups of it linger exactly. on. Thank goodness. So tell people then what is. Available in Coventry, then, through our little group. Okay. Mm. So, at the moment, we have an annual foundation course, the original structure of which was uh, five days. Um, And, uh, yeah, we've got our structure like that. This year, we had to move it onto Zoom, so we did... 10 sessions because it's too much to do and we're not quite sure to be honest what we're going to do this year are we because we're not yeah. sure what we'll be allowed to do yeah, or we're able hoping. To do. and we do have aspirations to create some kind of a sort of foundation course that's available further afield anyway so we yeah. might i don't know how quickly we might create a, an in in person and a, some sort of different thing I think if I'm honest, I'll I'll always think the in person is better because I like to be with people. Yeah, you can just flex more with them. But yeah, some some kind of uh, foundation course of, of that sort will definitely be available this year, unless we all go under a bus or under a COVID. Um, and uh, we have the the structure of the four quarterly days which have now shrunk to zoom sessions for the moment um and uh we've got the uh, we had the the um constructivist coaching course golly just finished just over a year ago actually now Mm. the latest one so that has created uh two well the, the idea is two special interest group, group meetings a year for people interested in coaching uh and and um pcp related to that and and such like um early days for that one but yeah. um you know yeah i need to get my need to get um tightened up on one probably for may something like that yeah um what else do we do? Well, some of us are still doing some clinical work. Some there's quite a bit of writing been going on, as yeah. I've said. You doing this, um, and some supervision still. Uh, yeah, yeah. There's, there's some availability for supervision, not tons, and that does tend to be online, doesn't it? Yeah, um, probably easier online. For I think so. I, I think, yeah. I, I think it's something that, that well, even before all this COVID carry on, um, most of that was happening online. 
Uh, yeah. Just just to be practical. Yeah. And mm. one of one of the things to do with the study days um is that those days have happened according to suggestions of the people who might attend them, haven't they? Oh yeah. It isn't you make up the whole program. It's that people say <laughs> we haven't <laughs> done we've never done one Ali on this. Says you should now. <laughs> I don't think so. I'm not that creative it's anyway. Kind of, co-constructed <laughs> yeah, tw- 20 odd hmm, i don't think, actually the foundation the foundation course is well over 20 years i think the quarterlies have been since something like oh three yes three oh four something like that but anyway for a year yeah. you know yeah yeah uh it's rarely, not it, it comes rarely. out of our interest i mean the, the original thing was for to feed us wasn't it after yes. we did the advanced course yeah yeah um uh you know and, and and for me to to structure myself and make myself read things that might take me out of the straightforward and they've uh, been quite varied in oh yeah delivery style haven't they sometimes they've been here's a selection of papers read them mm, come mm. ready to discuss yes and then somebody would facilitate that yeah, and always a workshop aspect. Yeah, or sometimes it's somebody presenting and then yeah. presenting, you know, whatever it is that they're going to talk about, and then there's a workshop aspect as well. Yeah, yeah. And I, I think, um, I mean, I think probably someone listening to this might think the here, here's a here's a few papers bit sounds deathly dull, but one of the difficulties, mm. and it, I know it's easier in some ways now, and there, is, there are things like the online journal with Yearn and, um, you know, there's a John, the George Kelly Society, you know, international things and, and papers can be easier to get hold of. But there's a heck of a lot of, of books and papers which people still struggle to either get hold of or to know that they could look for yeah. them. So, so I, th- I think sometimes those those sessions where we say, oh, and of course there's a paper here and a paper there, and and we'll send them out, is actually you know, it's a bit like opening a a shop. Yeah. And, and you know, I, I went in a I went in a shop today, daring eh? Um, and it's is a relatively new delicatessen. Um, um, I just went in, had a little shifty round, and noticed they'd got some particular cheeses. Um, but if I hadn't gone in the shop, I wouldn't have known the cheese was there. Yeah, and, and you're just not going to find things. You're not going to know the links. Yes. Um, unless we all share together and say, yeah. "Oh, there's this paper and that." And of course, that reminds me of so and so technique yeah. that you can adapt it in this way. And I used it with so and so, and changed it this way because the person was, I don't know, illiterate or, or yeah. deaf or I don't know, whatever. Uh, and it's about those links and sharing those ideas that that's where the fruitfulness comes from, isn't yes. it? And of course. The other fruitfulness is the cake. <laughs> so, <laughs> the study oh, days. Cake on Zoom, yeah. sadly. No, but Sally but yeah, makes yeah. fab cakes and <laughs> everybody feels very happy to be there in the room so they can eat them. <laughs> well, the breaks. I'm 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 managing to keep that going because today, um, I mean yeah, you, you were always fond of the uh, marmalade cake, yep. So I've been doing tray bakes for the uh, oh. COVID vaccination volunteers uh. <laughs> so 
Yeah, it was cake today, but sadly not for a PCP session. No. One of these days we'll be yeah. back to cake. Yeah. So what if people are interested in any of these things, they just need to send you an email. Um, yep. Which they if they um, I'll tell them the address, but also right. it's on the website. So yes, and some of this at the moment is a bit tentative on the website. Yeah. Uh, uh, as I say, this inquiry I had today about the foundation course, I don't think the person's looked at the website from the right. way it was phrased. Um, but it, you know, we, it will be relatively up to date. I mean, we do luckily have a chap who, you know, I send him stuff and he sorts it out. Yeah jolly quickly um so there will be ideas and and links and different things there and you can look at what we used to do you yeah. know some of the, the some of the of old sessions and 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 ask about that or um yeah it gives yeah it gives you a fair idea yeah so if if um i'll put the information in the show notes yeah okay we'll get and i'll put them on my website so they can see mm-hmm make sure they've got the correct address for the website and your address yeah. to email you and say, what's happening? Can you yep. get me on the mailing list? Yes, yes. All properly GDPR'd, of course. Yeah. Um, but yes, yeah. Yes. Okay. Yes. Mm. Thank you very much indeed, Sally. <laughs> That's great. And it, Thank you. what's really nice is that some of the people who've done the foundation course do listen to this. And <laughs> oh they won't have been able to ask you all these questions so they'll be intrigued to hear what you have to say really mm, some yes. of them might fast forward through some of it <laughs> Who knows? anyway thank you so much great thanks so the website that sally referred to is www.covpcp.com I actually don't think you need the www anymore, but there we are. That's what it is. And so you can go on there and find information about both the study days and also the foundation course and uh, let her know of your interest. One of the things that she does do is keep a waiting list of people who want to be notified when the next foundation course is available or anything else that's coming up. We had the second ever PCP coaching course at the Coventry Constructivist Centre. If you have a particular interest in developing skills in those areas, you need to email Sally and let her know that because she is keeping a note of things that are particularly requested. And then within our group, we see what we might be able to do about it. The book that she mentioned is The Beginner's Guide to Personal Construct Therapy. And there's a version about working with adults and couples written by Diane Allen and Peter Cummins. And then there's my version, which is about working with young people. I'll put a link to both of those in the show notes. I've got a couple of other interviews lined up with people. um, And I would be most grateful if you would be willing to be interviewed about your work with PCP. And if you think, well, I haven't got very much that I've been doing, but I've got a little bit. I could interview you and maybe put together a number of people who've done a little bit that they're willing to talk about and you know, knit them together as one episode. So please get in touch with me at drawingtheidealself at iCloud.com. And thanks so much to the people who have contacted me. You know, doing this podcast is very strange because there's no immediate feedback. It's not like talking to a live audience. However, 
it encourages me that there are some people listening and um, that they're finding it useful. So if you hear an episode and you think, oh, really resonated with something that I've been thinking about or that's made me think more or whatever, and you'd like to tell me, I would really appreciate it so that I can keep going. Okay, so next time I will be back will be in April and I look forward to talking to you then. Thanks very much. Bye.